Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight the incredible thought leaders and personalities in our community and discover who they are at home, at work, and in between. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Hello, I'm Sam East, and welcome to Diverse, a sweet podcast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at SWE Diverse Podcast. Today's episode is a roundtable discussion with the three women at the helm of Discover's mobile application. Together, they have created a best-in-class mobile app in the financial services industry. I'm joined by Christina Kuntz, Director of Digital Development, Melissa Doros, Vice President of Digital Design and Experience, and Jill Worley, Senior Director of Digital Experience and Platform Strategy. The three of them form a strong, influential team that couple their understanding of customer and business needs with their deep technical knowledge to build powerful digital experiences for users. After a combined 38 years at Discover, they've realized that the driving force behind their success is the belief that building happy, fulfilled teams will result in the best product for their clients. I am so excited to be joined by such powerhouse women today. Thank you for joining us, ladies. Thank you for having us. On Diverse, we always like to start at the very beginning. So how did your journey in engineering and STEM begin? Jill, we'll start with you. So, you know, STEM as it stands today really didn't exist, probably dating myself here a little bit, but in terms of, you know, science and math, not totally my strong suit. I tended to gravitate more towards history and language arts. That being said, I did love checking out Mr. Wizard's World and Space Camp. And Space Camp Lucky enough for me, I was able to go and attend when I was 13 years old, and it was such a powerful experience. And that was when I really saw how math, science, technology, and teamwork all need to come together in order to accomplish something successful. Mm -hmm. I love that you found your way into it, too, because in the beginning, that wasn't necessarily what piqued your interest, but after attending space camp. That's what really got you into it. Yes, it was quite the experience. And I I really, I think that, like I said, that combination of all of those elements together, uh, coupled with the more, you know, kind of the social elements of, of, of building a team and leading a team is really what has made all of us successful in in what we're doing at Discover today. Mm -hmm. And then, so after that, you know, initial interest in the world of math and science and STEM, what was your educational path like? Yeah. So much like the fact that I wasn't a math and science girl in in grammar school, my path, my career path has not been linear at all. Mm. I actually started my educational career majoring in political science. I quickly realized that probably wasn't going to be the path for me either. So I ended up with graduating with a degree, a Bachelor of Arts degree in financial economics. From there, 
I spent a couple of years with Arthur Anderson in their tax consulting practice outside of Washington, D.C., in a very niche discipline called transfer pricing. That wasn't for me either and decided I was like, okay, well, where do my skills fit? So I spent some time doing some financial planning and analysis for a law firm out in, out in downtown Chicago. I had some advice from someone around that time in my life where I was like, look, this isn't your passion. You need to go figure out what your passion is and follow it. And so I looked and sought out opportunities in e-commerce. And that's where I landed at a company called Orbitz Worldwide, where I did everything from managing their attractions and services business line, and then moved into e-marketing where I truly found my passion and what led me to discover. I spent about five years in my early time at Discover leading a digital marketing team and then, you know, said, hey, what's next? What am I going to do next? I've kind of honed all of the expertise as it relates to digital marketing. And I realized I wanted to step into product. And I find myself very grateful that I had a leader at that time that was super supportive and helped me to find a leadership role on the, the team that I'm involved with today that is responsible for delivering digital experiences across both our web and our mobile app properties. That's so, I love that you took us through that sort of journey that you went through to get to discover, because I think for a lot of people listening to this, they're looking to you for inspiration on how they should go about their path. And what I'm hearing from you is while it was super important to find out what you liked, you also figured out what you didn't like in the process too. Exactly. And I do believe, and I know that it's a out there in the ether that, you know, find your passion and, and uh, the promotion and the work and the money will follow. I truly believe it. I don't think that anyone can be truly successful within their career or in their life without following their heart and following what motivates them. Melissa, does your path to getting into engineering and STEM, is it anything like Jill's or it's completely in the other direction? So it's completely in the other direction, but I would, I would say that following a similar path, and I will explain that. And like Jill, we are the exact same age, so I can date myself as well, uh, but we, didn't, we just didn't grow up with STEM being a thing. You know, we grew up in the generation where the boys were pushed to math and science, and we were given a doll that when you pulled the back, it said, math is hard. So for us, we just, we weren't pushed into that path. You know, you, you kind of went into the teacher, you went into these very what I would say were typical women professions back in the day. And I was going to be a French teacher and I didn't want to do it. And it took me a really long time to figure out if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. And so it took me quite a number of years to get through my undergrad, but I always had my mom's voice in the background saying to me, you have to get through school. Doesn't matter if you don't use your education, you have to be able to take care of yourself. Getting educated is the way you're going to do that. And I think along the way, I learned myself, right? I learned what I like, what I don't like. And I learned that I am a really passionate person and I have to be really excited about what I do and love it. And so Mm. I started off, I was just paying for school as a collection agent. And it was, you know, collecting on debt for hospitals. It was was sort of a hodgepodge of things. But as business, as the headquarters would change the strategies of how we collect, they would never change the system for us. And so while one day we were capturing 
you know, employment and name and verification of information, the next day or the next week we were collecting on income. And so it was very difficult to navigate the system when those types of things changed. So they either thought it was a great idea or were just so sick of listening to me complain about it that they actually created this role for me where I would be the liaison between headquarters and almost this, you know, user research with the agents and we would change the system. And I loved it. And I loved the psychology behind the user research, which is really what led me to, you know, I still got a French and, and communication undergrad, but it led me to actually getting a master's of science in human computer interaction, which is in the College of Engineering at Iowa State. And I just, it is where I found my absolute passion and get to work with Christina and Jill every single day as we lead our teams together. Wow. That is, uh, that's so cool that in a way you sort of fell into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's again, really inspiring for someone who's coming up in this and trying to find their way and maybe feeling like they're not hundred percent aligned with what they're doing, but you found an opportunity you kind of made a job for yourself and it led you to what you're actually passionate about. It did. And it's interesting because user experience as a phrase really didn't exist until Mm. the early 2000s when Don Norman brought it to Apple. And so when I was floundering and figuring out what I wanted to do, (laughs) my job just didn't exist. You know, I, I like to say it like that. And so, you know, as the world shifted and people really started to look at people's problems and create you know, digital experiences and system experiences for them, we kind of carved out this space at Discover to make sure that we were doing the same thing. Wow. That is incredible. And Christina, we can't forget about you here. Christina, what was your path towards engineering and STEM? Was it anything like Jill and Melissa's path? I mean, if it's possible to have three completely opposite paths, (laughs) I I think we've done it. So I don't know if that's mathematically possible, but I think we have it. Um, So I actually just grew up with a brain that is centered. I was born with a brain that is centered around numbers. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I would agree with what Jill and Melissa said. Like I grew up in a time where STEM wasn't a thing like it exists today for our kids today. And not only that, I also had a disadvantage where I grew up in a very rural area. Mm. I didn't live on a farm, but it was a farming community, graduating high school, class of 42. So very small. And just the resources weren't there other than basic reading and math, you know, curriculums in high school. So growing up with a brain that loved math, I understood quickly, probably in my adolescence, how powerful math was. And I, I just really loved it. Even today, I'm not a runner, but when I run, I like count my steps as I run. So other people are listening to podcasts (laughs) Uh and thinking about, I don't know, what's for dinner and I'm counting my (laughs) steps. So it's just, it's just how my brain works. So I found this love for math in high school and I talked to a math teacher that I had who I adored and I didn't want to be a math teacher. And he goes, oh, okay, so you should look into actuary, being an actuary, which is Mm -hmm. all centered around math and insurance Mm -hmm. and predicting and statistics. And I said, okay, that's, I trust this guy. And he told me to do this. That's what I'm going to do. So I went to college to get a math degree. And while I was getting my math degree in college, I had to take computer science 101. Mm -hmm. I took it as a freshman. It was a class that all math students hated. It was hard. They didn't get it. It actually weeded some people out. And I just like fell in love with computer science, which was a totally new topic and industry to me that I hadn't gotten to experience in my uh, rural community that I grew up in. And so I tacked on the second major, computer science and math. I rolled with both of them. I absolutely love it, loved it. 
And I actually landed an internship at Discover my junior year of college. And I've been working at Discover ever since. So I didn't plan on working at Discover for almost 20 years, but it's been so great that I've moved around and had a, a very happy, happy and successful career. And I'm, I'm glad I'm still here and don't plan on leaving, to be honest. Sometimes that's a scary thing to say out loud, but it's just a great company. And, and we've, we've accomplished a lot of great things together, the three of us. Christina, I'm curious, you mentioned there that computer science program um, and you were, it sounds like you were one of the few people who was really jiving what was, with what was being taught. What did that classroom setting look like? Because we've touched on this a little bit. Was it predominantly males in that class? Were you one of the few females? Absolutely. Yeah. So when I graduated, I think there were two females in the graduating class. Now, this was a small college. I went to Illinois Wesleyan in central Illinois, graduating class of maybe a thousand. Yeah. Two females graduated with computer science degree. Wow. hundred plus males. So very, very small ratio. And even my internship that I got at Discover, I think there were 54 computer science interns and there were four females. So another very small ratio there. But I have seen that change over the years. There's still a lot of work to do for sure, but those ratios are much better in today's society. This is a question for all of you then, because you've all touched on this. When you were in school and there were very few females in your program or perhaps your workplaces even, how were you able to push past that, that limitation in a way? What was the inspiration for you to keep going? Melissa, we'll go to you. So I think the inspiration to keep going, I know I mentioned it before, but one of them is, is my mom, right? Like she also had a father who pushed her, which was just so different from a generation perspective where a lot of her friends were stay-at-home moms. They were doing these predominantly women things. And my mom was also a math major. And it was, mm. you know, it's her, it's her, it's that generations of driving forces. Another one is really just surrounding yourself with people like you and people who are not like you and understanding that we are different and it's our diversity that bonds us. We don't mm. have to think the same way. We don't have to be the same way. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a really big point that I would push about the culture within Discover as well is that, you know, I think historically it's always been, there was one woman at the table. And we were all sort of competing to be that one woman, right? And be like that one woman. Mm. And I think we have taken such strides internally as a company to understand that our differences are really what makes us unique because our customers are unique and therefore we have to have that diverse perspective. And so as a culture, we surround ourselves. I mean, I'm, I am not like a lot of the, the officer women within this company. I've got streaks in my hair. I lead the, you know, the creative design team. I passionate on top with my hands. And so knowing that you have the empowerment and the backing of a company that says, hey, we are not like each other and it makes us stronger together. I think that's what you have to surround yourself with. Mm. Jill, do you have anything to add to that in those early days when you might've been one of a couple women in school or in a workplace? How did you uh, find that inspiration to keep going? You know, it's, it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting question. And as I was, as Melissa was talking, I was kind of reflecting on what my my answer would be, and honestly, I'm an introvert by nature. And I think my parents realized that at a very young age. And like Melissa's mother, both of my parents had very high expectations of me academically. And they decided that I was going to go to an all girls private Catholic high school in eighth grade. And at the time, it didn't make sense to me. You know, I had to leave my friends. I had you know, 
a 45 minute bus ride <laughs> at each way. But in retrospect, I think it really shaped me and my ability to Melissa's point to be a strong woman and have an opinion and really claim my voice in different situations. And even now as a mother of two kids, one one of which is a daughter, it really helped shape like how I push her and where I push her and how I want to see her succeed in the future. And Christina, for you as well, in those early days when you were, you know, in your program, one of the only couple women there, how did you find that motivation to push through whatever perhaps stereotypes were even expected of you? Yeah. So I, I mean, looking back, I think maybe I was a little oblivious to be honest, but I was just always so focused on what I wanted to do and what I enjoyed. And, you know, I loved computer science and I don't know. I don't even know that I noticed that I was one of the only girls in the rooms, to be honest. So I just pushed forward and I did what I was asked and I was never intimidated by a male counterpart. And I just Mm -hmm. kept going. And I've kind of, I don't know, I don't do it on purpose, I don't think, but that's just kind of been my path in my career. Like I am doing what I want to do and saying the words that I want to come out of my mouth. And not that I don't care what others think or see, Mm -hmm. but I mean, if I believe it, I'm going to do it and say it. You're focused. You're very focused, sounds like. (laughs) Yes. So we've been touching on your roles at Discover and, and how you got to the positions that you're in. Can you each sort of talk about your experience with Discover's company culture? And we'll start with Christina. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, I've worked at Discover for almost 20 years, which was never the plan. But the culture and the people is what kept me here for so long. And I'll break that down into two different categories. So pre-COVID, in a world where most people were coming into work every day of the week or a couple of days a week, those hallway conversations we got to have and the coworkers that quickly became family. I mean, I saw these people more than I saw my own family, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And the focus I saw from our leadership on caring about the employee just as much as they cared about the bottom line and the shareholders, like all of that is what kept me here at Discover. There's obviously a lot of good times. There's some rough times in any career. The culture kind of kept me there, got me through it, kept me happy. I think as we've as we've navigated into this new post-COVID world where people are at home, people want different things now, and they've lost their commutes. I think dis- I've seen Discover, I've seen the leadership, the three of us included, uh, so focused on ensuring we don't lose that culture, which is very hard to do remotely and in this world. So I think that is just nice to see that we recognize we have a culture and we're all focused on keeping it, even though the world has changed around us. We're doing the best we can to make sure that everyone is connected and feels like there's more happening at Discover that just than just waking up, putting in your eight hours and getting a paycheck. We're, we're connected. We're happy. We're still a family. And I think together, the three of us, honestly, we, I, I think we can change the world if we just keep doing what we're doing. And Jill, perhaps you could speak to maybe some examples of how you're able to keep the team connected despite challenges that have come up throughout the pandemic and so forth? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, at first, I think the entire world was trying to come up with new and creative ways to keep everyone connected. And, you know, so we did, you know, the virtual happy hours and the trivia games and all of that good stuff. A lot of that, I think, I feel like kind of waned after the first year, 
Mm-hmm. And on, and a lot of our more unstructured conversations, like Christina was saying around uh, hallway, like all of those went away. And so it became a much more intentional conversation when you did get a chance to meet. And so really just trying to encourage conversations with my team, direct team. And then also I would say, you know, I'm actually a a leader in one of our employee resource groups. It's called Professional Women Impacting Results. And I got involved right at the beginning of this year, predominantly because I had spent the two years prior, year and a half prior, talking with so many people that are new to their career at Discover, but didn't know how to make connections and network in the new environment. And so it's been a really amazing experience to try to develop content and work with people that I otherwise may not have had a chance to work with on a day-to-day basis within this employee resource group and really support the inclusivity and supportive culture that is really in in Discover's DNA. Mm. And Melissa, perhaps you could speak to the internship program that you have at Discover and how people can get involved in that and what the program looks like. Sure. So our internship program spans across the company, which is really great. And we select people that you know are from universities that can really come and help further our culture and you know and that are a good fit. And I think Christina mentioned, you know, preserving that culture and and making sure that, you know, even though we work in a remote environment, we can still have the collaborative conversations that we have. And so we do have a few people within the organization who run the program. It's an application online. There's a a few-step interview process. What I love about the interns is it's not focused in one area. There's analytics uh, resources that we hire. I've had a creative person on our team before. There's a very strong technology partnership that we have with universities. And so getting involved in Discover, and I think Christina showed her path, is you can carve out a great space for yourself from intern all the way up to leader within this organization. Mm-hmm. And over the years, Discover has really won a lot of JD Power Awards. Can you share how exactly the app has evolved over the years and then your actual involvement in the success of the app? And we'll go back to Melissa. Oh my gosh, yes. This is one of my favorite conversations. So um, <laughs> I would say it's really three things, to be honest. And like any good startup, our mobile app launched in 2009 from one of our colleagues' basements, right? (laughs) But it's been a long time since then. And so part of our success is really just understanding how different that world is until it is now, right? So the first Mm -hmm. is user research. We have learned so much, not only from upfront testing, but we really challenge ourselves to have this ongoing partnership and dialogue with our customers so that once something goes in, we're still talking to them. We know problems change, and because of that, our solutions really need to evolve to meet them. So first and foremost, it's user research. The second one is how it looks, right? Design trends change, just like fashion, just like anything else in this world. But while the design patterns stay the same, the expectation of how something looks doesn't, right? So we don't all find beauty to be the same. We know that. But a lot of research has been done to find similar patterns in what people find to be beautiful. So Mm -hmm. we change the trends, but we stay true to that foundation. And we make sure that we are giving customers the experience that they truly deserve from us. And then honestly, the third one is the three of us, right? It's this relationship between product engineering and design. 
And I would say that, you know, while what our customers rate us high in JD Power because our house is in order, we can deliver a great experience. We speak the same language. Our engineers are not saying, hey, that's just it's just how it looks. It's just a pretty picture. We're not going to put that in because we have to work on the code. Our designers are talking about the speed of the API calls. Jill's always mentioning, you know, a lot of our technology platforms. She's talking about Trident and the speed of automation. We just, we are partners together and we lead our teams to be partners together. And it's only truly that that enables you to deliver that great experience, which is why customers rate us so high. Mm. Christina, do you have anything to add to that? How the app has evolved and perhaps your individual involvement in that evolution? Yeah, so I would, I, what Melissa said is spot on, but I would actually add two things to that. So being the IT person in this group, there's been a lot of architectural and technology changes that we've done over the years, including re-architecting our mobile app to React Native, which allows us to have one code base versus historically you have two, you have an iOS code base and an Android code base. Mm-hmm. So there have been a ton of architectural changes that we have made to keep up with Uh, customer demands, and just the ever-changing technology landscape that lives out there. The second thing I would add that's super interesting is recently Discover as an enterprise has been pushing on this model to to bring technology and the business closer together. We've consistently operated as almost technology separate from business. And so we've gone through all this training to bring us closer together. And I think what we realized is that the three of us, Jill, Melissa, and myself, have always worked that way. And I think our relationship is the foundation of why everything we do in the mobile app, not everything we do, but most things we do in the mobile app are wildly successful because I can't do anything on my own. Melissa mm-hmm. can't do anything on her own. Jill can't do anything on her own. And we all support each other in such a unique way that I don't always see. And it is the core to why we've been successful. Jill, do you have anything to add to that? I love hearing about how well you all work together. There's nothing better than that. There really isn't. And honestly, I I think, you know, just to echo what Christina said earlier, like in environments where there are so many people that are looking for their dream job, we are three people that have our dream job. And Mm. there is no chance that I, you know, would ever give that up because I get to work with you know, not just Christina and Melissa, but so many wonderfully talented and brilliant engineers and, and product and design folks every day. I would only thing I would add here, and it's something that I think has really come to fruition in the past two and a half years, three years, we've always had really great executive support. But that level of sponsorship has really been elevated over the past couple of years. And it's super exciting and empowering for myself and my colleagues, as well as my team, to know that we're getting, you know, internal press at different town halls and we're being asked for inputs into board board meeting materials. And, you know, it's super empowering, like I said, to have that level of executive sponsorship and buy into what we're doing and pride, right? Like, and being proud of what we're delivering. People are saying your names in rooms that you aren't even in. As long as it's good, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what I gather from what you're saying. It sounds like it's good. It's good news all around. So your company's first diversity, equity, and inclusion report was published earlier this year. This is very important. 
Can Melissa, we'll start with you. Can you speak more about Discover's commitment to creating and supporting a workplace that reflects its communities, its customers, and a just society too? We'll start with Melissa. Thank you. Yes. So I think it's very important to talk about that word investment. Our company is very invested in us and in the changes that we can impact within our community. We volunteer as an organization. We have a donation platform where we can go and donate to causes that we are super passionate about and then Discover will match that. But I also think it's the evolution of our company internally that has understood that you know we, we're walking a path within diversity that maybe wasn't always walked before. And so we're able to develop programs both internally and externally to keep going on that. I think when you know there, there was a lot of focus on, on some of the things that were happening externally, our leadership was actually holding calls internally to have people who had faced diversity challenges over the years share their stories. And so there's this empathy that's being built within our organization that says, you know, you can't always walk another person's shoes, but you can understand that even though you haven't, they have, and you can bridge that gap with them and you can learn more about what they're going through and it helps you evolve as a person. But I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges again is just sort of evolving, knowing when to evolve, understanding that we can talk about this because it's the only way that we can grow and discover is really fostering that internal collaboration and communication. Mm-hmm. Christina, could you speak to how Discover is really walking the talk of that investment that Melissa has been speaking to? Yeah. So we our, our vision here at Discover is to provide a brighter financial future to our customers. And yes, we do that through the products that we offer. But I think where diversity comes in there is there's no better way to do that than to employ the people that you want to be your customers. So I think the new call center that we recently opened in Chatham, which is an underprivileged community on the south side of Chicago, is an awesome example of that. So there's some statistics around it that they're employing like 90% of their employees within a five mile radius of where this building was. It was an old target that was taken over. And it's just, it's an underprivileged community that was driving hours for work in the past and missing their family. And I don't think there's a better way to provide a brighter financial future to people than employing them, giving them good wages, letting them be with their family, have a good work-life balance. I think that's the perfect example of, you know, discover walking the walk um, when we talk about diversity. Mm -hmm. And Jill, perhaps you could speak to the diverse perspectives and how it's really positively impacted communication within the company. Absolutely. And I think Melissa and the use of, you, you, Melissa's use of the, the, the word investment is really all about what it's all about. We have, you know, a, a core mission at Discover to help build and mature an environment where all identity groups can thrive. And there has been a lot of work done and councils established in order to develop a series of leadership challenges that are really aimed at building and honing skills across the enterprise, not just for leadership, but around inclusivity. So I think, you know, with with some of the recent programs that have launched internally and the active encouragement and involvement of our leadership to, to really push us to seek out and listen to a diverse range of it, of perspectives 
will help us to challenge our status quo and really help us to consider new and different ideas that are really going to set us up for future success, both with our employees internally, as well as our external customers, and then those that are uh, maybe not our customers yet. Jill, Melissa, Christina, I've loved talking to you and hearing more about your journeys and your path at Discover. But before we end our conversation today, could you each share a piece of advice with our listeners who are perhaps finding themselves at a crossroads in their career? What advice would you pass on to them? And we'll start with Jill. Yeah. So I was, you know, this is a question I get asked a lot. And Mm. I think depending on the day, my answer is probably a little bit different, but it ultimately comes back to something somebody told me years ago, which is, I'm going to quote it, and I don't know if I'm going to get it 100% right, but it's all about having faith. And, And faith is really about taking the first step when you can't see the staircase. And so I think about, you know, times in my life where I wasn't exactly sure about what was next, but I really had to be super introspective and fearlessly authentic. And I think once you can do those two things and have the faith to follow the path that you are most passionate about, Mm -hmm. that you are going to land in the place where you're supposed to land and be successful. Oh, I love that staircase visualization. That's really good. I'm going to take that one with me too. Thank you for that, Jill. And Melissa, some last words of wisdom that you want to pass on to someone who might be listening to this, finding themselves at a crossroads in their career. Yes. I love that, Jill. I, that staircase analogy, I think it's, you know, it's allowing yourself the grace, you know, to not beat on yourself all the time. I think we as women can tend to have a really negative inner voice. And that a lot of times is what is, you know, making it so that we can't take that next step, that we can't walk up that staircase. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of allowing yourself the path to say, I don't have all the answers today, but what am I going to do to try to figure them out? And so networking and just talking to other women, they don't have to be in your space, but just kind of learning their path. I mean, you know, I think the three of us today are, are a good example of, we didn't know it. We didn't have it all figured out. We made it sound real easy and, and rosy along the way, but it wasn't, you know, there were tears and there was frustration and there was support, you know, around us that helped us really get to this point. And so it will come. Time is the only thing we can't speed up and, and give ourselves, but we can take a step back and focus our energy maybe into something else. We can network and talk to people around us and say, hey, what was your path, right? And you kind of get those sparks along the way that say, maybe I want to try that. Mm. I love that too. We're on a roll here. Christina, the final word here, advice that you would pass on to someone who is trying to figure out their career path at the moment. I feel like I have an unfair advantage going last. Those are both so powerful. (laughs) Um, All I would add on is, again, I think as women, we tend to sometimes shy away from expressing our opinions, but I would just say, speak up, I think everyone's opinion matters. Don't let anyone tell you your opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion matters. And not only does it matter, but it's needed. Like people need to hear what you need to say. So just speak up. Your opinion matters, I guess, would be my advice for people. 
do you, Jill, Melissa, and Christina, is there anything else that we may have missed here today that you would like to include in the episode? I would like to say one thing. I think mm-hmm. we, the three of us talked a lot about the kumbaya that we have, right? We are a really strong group of people. And with that, we don't always agree. And so I think it's very important that people understand that, you know, a lot of times with women, you know, the, there's sort of this misconception that we just, we don't speak up, right? That as Christina mentioned, you know, our opinion doesn't matter. We just kind of go along with the flow. We want to make things easy. The three of us do not always agree, but because of the strength of our colleague friendship and who we are, we argue, we passionately talk about what we want. We find a solution together we don't always agree on absolutely everything. And I think it's just important for everyone to know that your opinion matters, your thoughts matter, and sometimes compromise is in your future, but it's important to speak up and understand that, you know, you got you have to do that in order to progress forward. Well, I think for all of you, Jill, Melissa, and Christina, who have used your voices today, you are leading by example here and inspiring other people to do the same. So I thank you so much for joining us on the Diverse Podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. us. Christina, Melissa, and Jill, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today. I've had an incredible time and I feel so inspired and empowered right now. I'm hoping you're feeling the same as well. I'm Sam East. And from all of us at SWE, thank you for listening. If you'd like to read more about Christina, Melissa, and Jill, check out the accompanying blog post with the same title as the episode on Swee's blog altogether. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your social network. You can keep up to date with our podcast on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast and on our blog altogether at altogether.swe.org.